a very well-known passage of Scripture says, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand or to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Verse 14, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, the thing that I want you to pay attention to uh, for our, our time of ministry today is in verse 11 where it says you may be able to stand against. It doesn't say run against or fight against, but it says stand against. And then the verse 13 says that you may be able to withstand in that evil day, having done all to stand. Verse 14, stand therefore. And then in Exodus chapter number 14, verse number 10, in the Old Testament, the story of uh, the Exodus from Egypt, from the bondage of Egypt, as Moses delivered God's people, it says in verse 10, and when Pharaoh drew nigh, this is when Pharaoh sent his armies back to uh, pursue after the children of Israel after he changed his mind. It says, when Pharaoh drew nigh, the, uh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt. Is not, the world, is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And I want you to look at Moses' response in verse 13. Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. Everybody say hallelujah. Moses didn't tell them to get out their swords. He didn't tell them to line up in battle array. He said, fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Verse 14, and the Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I want to preach for a few moments today on this subject, stationary faith. Stationary faith. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word and the encouragement that it provides to us and the hope that it gives us and direction that we receive from it. I pray, Lord God, from your word today, we would be fortified, edified, and strengthened, and we would be provided direction, Lord Jesus, for our decisions moving forward, that our faith would be strengthened, Lord God, and we would know, Lord Jesus, how to act in times of difficulty, in times of trial, in times of uncertainty. We thank you for what you've done and given, and we thank you for your word. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen, let it be. Praise the Lord. God bless you, and you may be seated. The story that we read to you in Exodus is after God's deliverance through the miracles of the plagues and the death angel, Pharaoh finally relented his uh, stance in keeping the children of Israel as his slaves, and he allowed them to leave. 
Once they left, he changed his mind and sent his armies out to either destroy the children of Israel or bring them back into bondage. The reading that we read to you happened at the time when the army was approaching and was within eyesight and the children of Israel could see the dust rising from the chariots of the mighty army of Pharaoh and Egypt. And when they saw that, of course, the children of Israel began to complain to Moses and said, don't you know, we should have stayed in Egypt. And, but now we find ourselves backed up against the Red Sea and we see the army of uh, Egypt coming our direction and we don't know what to do. Moses gave them these instructions. Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I want you to know today that if we try to take matters into our own hands, we cannot see God's deliverance. God wants to work on our behalf. He wants to deliver. He wants to make a difference. But sometimes through our unwillingness to stand still and let God work, we are never able to see the salvation or the deliverance of the Lord. Let's face the facts here today. Moses and the children of Israel didn't have skill in warfare. All they know how to do was be slaves. They didn't have swords and they didn't have the firepower to fight against the army of Pharaoh. And I want to tell you today that there are situations that you will face in living for God and in your life where you don't have the firepower to handle it on your own. Amen. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you today that God can do what you cannot do. God is concerned about you and he sees where you are and his desire is to bring you through and to minister to you. But you must release the situation into the hands of the Lord. And sometimes the most faith-filled thing you can do is stand still. I want you to highlight that in your mind. That's the essence of today's message. Sometimes the most faith-filled thing that you can do is stand still. Now just to clarify things, I want to make sure you understand that when we are talking about the great commission of Jesus Christ to reach the lost world, we cannot be stationary. We can't be stationary when it comes to lost souls that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody say gospel. Did you know you can't say or write gospel without saying and writing the word go? Which lets me know when it comes to lost people and this world that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, go is always the operative term. You must always be in motion when it comes to lost people. And I want as the leader of Life Church, as the God-ordained shepherd over this congregation to make it clear that in terms of this lost world, Life Church must always be in motion when it comes to lost people, when it comes to the hurting and when it comes to folks who desire to be reconciled to Jesus Christ, we got to be in motion. Amen. Praise God. And it's my desire to see, and I pray that it's your desire to see, soul winners in this assembly. People who are always concerned about sharing the gospel and moving the message forward. Also, in Hebrews chapter 11, the great faith chapter, we realize that faith often produces action. As you read through Hebrews 11, it says, By faith Noah built 
That means he did something. Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. Abraham went from where he was. And uh, there are times when God gives us immediate and clear direction. And when God gives immediate and clear direction, it's up to us. It's our responsibility to step through the door, to act, and to go. But there are other times when God is seemingly silent. That's what I want to talk about today. What do we do when God is silent? What do we do when there is no clear direction? This is the essence of the theme that I want to share with you today. That is stationary faith. That means that sometimes the best thing that you can do is stand still. Having done all to stand, to wait, and to trust that God knows best uh, and that God is going to work the situation out on your behalf. Let me give you a couple scripture verses from the book of Psalms that reinforces this sense or feeling. Psalms chapter 37 and verse 5 says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Verse 7, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. The psalmist says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. My brothers and sisters, this is a challenging thing for us. This is a challenging thing for us, especially when we're younger especially as members of the United States of America in the fast food microwave era. We don't know how to wait on God anymore. We don't know how to be patient and trust the Lord. And when we don't see things happening the way we thought, think that they ought to be happening, we feel like it's our responsibility to make things happen. But I want to tell you today that sometimes the most faith-filled thing that you can do is stand still and wait on the Lord to work on your behalf. Psalms chapter 46 and verse 10 reiterates this point. The psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Sometimes when we get stressed out, sometimes when we get anxious, edgy, uncertain. What do we do? We become impatient. And I want to tell you today that <clears throat> impatience is not just an unfortunate uh, element to a person's personality or an unfortunate tendency that a person has. But impatience can get you in some serious trouble when it comes to learning how to trust God. I love to look at the, the life of Abraham because Abraham is like the prototype of every believer. What do you mean by that, Pastor Brown? What I mean is that from the life of Abraham, we see basically the experience of someone who becomes a follower of Jesus Christ, someone who is essentially born again. Why? Because Abraham heard the call of God and he left where he was and what he was doing and he determined to follow the direction of God's voice even though the people around him were not. 
And we see then through his life uh, the fortune, the blessings, the foibles of, of either hearing or not hearing or listening to or being sensitive to the will and the word of God and God's promised blessings unfolding in your life when you're sensitive and obedient to God's direction. So that's why I say that Abraham is the prototype of a believer. And there are so many lessons from the life of Abraham for your life and for mine. But I, I want to draw your attention to Genesis chapter 12 and verse 10 because this is, in the entire holy book, the first mention of this place called Egypt. Everybody say Egypt. We understand that uh, Egypt symbolizes many things. It symbolizes the bondage of sin. And it symbolizes being essentially sidestepping the will of God or desiring to go back to uh, the life that God delivered you from. But the first mention of Egypt comes in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 10 in the life of Abraham. And it says, And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there. Everybody say the word sojourn. That's an interesting word. Interesting word in the book, uh, in this book, sojourn. For the famine was grievous in the land. I want you to kind of bring this into context. God had called Abraham out of the Ur of the Chaldees. Abraham had obeyed and went uh, with his father halfway there. And then when his father passed away, Abraham finished the trek into Canaan's land. Everybody say Canaan's land. So Abraham is living in the promised land that God told him to go to. And while he is there, a famine comes. Everybody say famine in the promised land. So Abraham is experiencing famine in the promised land. God had told him to come to the promised land. There's famine in the promised land. And the Bible says that Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there. What is the, the essence of the story? The idea is that God told him to leave Ur, but in the Bible, God did not tell him to leave Canaan. So this sojourn was a step out of the clear direction of God. God didn't tell him not to go, but God didn't give him clear direction to go. And so Abraham thought since there's famine here in the promised land, it only makes sense to leave. And he went there to Egypt. Let me give you a word, and I want you to highlight this in your brain right now. Because this will give, help you in your life going forward. If God gives you a word to be somewhere, don't move until you receive another direct word. Can I say that again? If God gives you a word to be somewhere, don't leave until God gives you a direct word. There's one thing that I've discovered in this world is that people are always moving with the ebb and flow of whatever takes place in life and whatever happens. It's just a constant motion. But the Bible says this, uh, uh, the, the word of prophecy of the man who would be named Israel, who originally was named Jacob, said to his eldest son Reuben, he said, you are unstable like water. You will never excel. There has to be a stability and a solidness and a consistency in order to excel. So let me say again, if God gives you a word to be somewhere, don't move until you receive another direct word. And when you look at the story of Abram in Egypt, it's real short. You can read it in chapter 12. That's your homework for tonight. Genesis chapter 12. 
Only a few verses there. Nothing good came out of his sojourn in Egypt. What happened? The only thing that happened there is he displayed a lack of courage. He displayed a lack of respect to his wife. And he lied to people. You can read it for yourself. Went down to Egypt, said, my wife's pretty. I'm afraid they're going to assault me to take my wife. So they came. He says, she's my sister. So they came and took her. That's a lack of courage and that's disrespect to his wife. And it's misleading. It's lying. That's the only thing that came out of the sojourn in Egypt. And then he came back home to Israel. Or is it the only thing that came out of it? That seems to be the only thing that came out of it. But if you read a few chapters later in Genesis chapter 16, you realize something else came out of that trip to Egypt. Chapter 16 verse 1 says, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had in handmaid an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid, and it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. This is the most obvious and pronounced story of impatience with God. When God had promised Abraham a promised seed, and when he didn't have a baby with Sarah in, according to his timetable, and when it seemed like it wasn't going to happen, Abram and Sarah said, let's help God. God gave us a promise, but it's become too difficult for him. So what did they do? They said, go in unto Hagar, the Egyptian, who they picked up from their last impatience. See, there's a, there's a story there. When you act in impatience, it's going to only lead to more actions out of impatience. Or what we call a pattern. A life pattern of acting in impatience. And so what did he do? He went in unto Hagar. And a child was born. The child named Ishmael. Who became the biggest, not because of who he was, but because of Abram's impatience with God. An effort to work it on his own. Ishmael, the situation of Ishmael and Hagar became the biggest mess in the life of Abram to become Abraham and it plagued him for the rest of his life. Let me make this point to you. Decisions made out of impatience can affect you for a lifetime. Especially when it's impatience with God. He was acting on impatience. He was acting because he was not trusting God to be able to do it. And Hagar produced Ishmael, which was Abraham's attempt to help God. And this decision made a huge mess. So acting out of impatience or acting without a word from God. Are you hearing me right now? Acting without a word from God brings about consequences that you will feel for a long time. Many stories in Scripture. There's another ill-advised sojourn that we read about in Ruth, the book of Ruth. All you have to read is the first six verses of the book of Ruth. That's another piece of homework. Hey, man, they give my kids hours of homework at school. I can give you ten minutes, can I? 
Go read Genesis chapter 12 and then go read Ruth chapter 1. And you'll read the fruit of a negative sojourn or an ill-advised sojourn or acting outside God's clear direction. Verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. What was his name? Verse 2 tells us. And the name of the man was Elimelech and his wife, uh, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion. They were uh, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died first. And she was left with her two sons. They took wives, verse 4. Verse 5, Malon and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left with her two sons and her husband dead. Verse 6, and she rose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. The little sojourn to Moab because of famine once again, in the promised land once again, took her further than she ever intended to go. Are you listening to me right now? And she lost a lot in the sojourn. And I want to challenge you today that there are times when you may experience famine, times when you may wonder why are things not happening the way that I anticipated that they would happen. And we get impatient with God. We get impatient with our situation and assume that the only proper response is to move, is to go, is to find greener pastures or more waters flowing. But we will lose more in the sojourn than we ever could have thought to gain because we're showing a lack of confidence and trust in God. We're leaning to our own understanding. And Naomi lost so much in her sojourn, her beloved husband, her only two sons. Famine and dryness doesn't always mean it's time to leave or to act rashly. Sometimes you need to just stand and trust God. Just because a prayer hasn't been answered doesn't mean that you need to help God or step in and to make it happen. Sometimes you just need to stand and trust the Lord. I know it's hard to wait sometimes. It's hard because we as human beings, we want an answer. We want to know what to do. We don't like uncertainty. We want everything to be summed up. But I want to tell you that God will test you. To determine whether you're willing to stand and wait and trust God. Amen. One time Saul was about to take the soldiers into battle. And they always offered a sacrifice before they went into battle to Jehovah. So that he would fight for them. Well it was time for the offering of the sacrifice and he couldn't find the priest Samuel. Where's Samuel? He should have been here hours ago. Where's he at? The men are getting restless. We've got to offer this sacrifice so that we can go out into battle. And I want to share with you, the Bible says that Saul himself, not being a priest, but being the king, offered a sacrifice to Jehovah in disobedience to God's expectation. And through his disobedience, he ended up losing the kingdom to a young, ruddy man named David. I want to challenge you today, don't let impatience push you towards disobedience. Don't allow impatience to push you towards disobedience. The Bible says, be still, stand, and know that I am God. If there's one thing I've learned in 39 years of living 
and serving God. It's this thing. Listen to me right now. Listen to this preacher. This is personal experience. This is uh, scars to prove it. That is, that when I get impatient and run ahead of God, I always get into trouble. Come on now. I get impatient and run ahead of God. I get into trouble. And then time passes and I see what God's plan was originally and how beautiful it would have been. Sometimes in God's mercy, he helps soothe it and he gives me a plan B and, and fixes it. But I'm telling you today that if, if the doors aren't opening, quit beating them down. Don't make decisions unless God is leading the way. I, I'm seeing this in my life. I'm seeing this with Life Church. There are some things happening. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be real transparent right now. I've been frustrated this last year because of this building project. Why isn't it happening? Why aren't we able to get a loan? Why aren't things moving forward? But I see right now some things happening that are going to put us in a position to where the transition is going to be smoother, to where God's hand is going to be more obvious in it. Whereas if I would have busted down the door, I'd have been on my own, but sometimes you need to just say, okay, I know I'm, I'm, I'm itching. I'm like, ah, I got an itchy trigger finger. This hasn't happened. I've been praying for this. I've been believing for this. This should be mine. I should get it. Where is it? It's not here. So boom, we bust through. And we end up stepping out of God's favor and out of God's blessing. You know why? Because we're not trusting God. We're saying, I'm going to handle this myself. Sometimes, listen, brothers and sisters, you need to stand still if you want to see the deliverance of God. If you want to see what you can do on your own, then push through, get your battering ram, put on a helmet, and bash your head through it. But if you want to see God work on your behalf, you got to step back. you got to stand still. you got to chill. Come on, somebody, and let God do what God wants to do in your life. Like, but, I, but I believe God wants me to have it. I believe this is something God wants for my life. Maybe so. I'm not disagreeing with that. What I want to share with you is you need to think about timing. Everybody say timing. Timing. Have you heard of people that have good timing or bad timing? And they say, well, you know, an actor is a good actor if he has good timing, cadence with, with his delivery of the lines. Or a person in business can be a success or a failure based on their timing. Well, in investments, it's real clear. If you invest at the wrong time, I don't care how much money you have to invest, you're going to end up with nothing. But if your timing's good, you can start out with a little bit, right? And turn it into a lot. Now, here's what I want you to think about. Think about this with me. A person that has good timing has good timing because they are perceptive, they are good at anticipation, and they have an instinct, and so they have good timing. Guess what? God has good timing, but it's not dependent on his instincts. It's not in, uh, d dependent on his ability to anticipate. It's dependent on the fact that he sees the end from the beginning. L let, me, let me make this clear to you right now. If you were an investor, you know, I want you just to think of this right now. If somebody would give me one thousand dollars that's it put me back 19 or put me here right now put me wherever 1970 1980 1990 put me here right now but give me the option opportunity to be able to look 
10 years into the future and know everything that's going to happen. See, we're, as human beings, we're stuck not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. Isn't that crazy? Doesn't that freak anybody out a little bit? It's like, what's going to happen tomorrow? I mean, your house could burn down tomorrow. God forbid. You, anything can happen. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Your dream girl could walk up to you. Just walk right into your life tomorrow. Hopefully you're not married. <laughs> Hopefully you've already found your dream girl. Any, you do not know what's going to happen next week. Well, next week I'm going to... Next week, I'm going to the mountains. You might not have legs next week. You might be in a hospital next week. You don't know what tomorrow holds. But here's the deal. If you did know everything that was going to happen just in the marketplace, I could give you $1,000 and you could be a multi-billionaire in 10 years. All you'd need to know is what's going to happen next. Do you guys understand that, right? Right? All you have to do is go back and say, okay, I'm going to put $1,000 in Apple stock or... I'm going to go, I'm going to put, I'm going to take all my money and turn into gold about five years ago. <laughs> if you knew what was going to happen, every one of us would be multi-billionaires if we could see into the future. But we're stuck having to anticipate and hopefully have an instinct to make decisions about our future. I want you to think about this. How blessed would you be? How many problems would you avoid if you could see into the future? How many bad decisions would you be able to sidestep if you could see what was going to happen tomorrow? How many good decisions could you make if you could see what was going to happen tomorrow? I'm wanting you to get the point because God is the one who sees all things. He steps back. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. He knows what's going to happen. He knows when every market's going to crash. He knows when situations are going to turn around. He knows everything that's going to happen in the future. And that's why it's dumb. Let's just make it plain. It's dumb for us to do our own thing and not trust God's timing. Are you with me now? God's timing is perfect. God knows the right timing for you to have a spouse. God knows the right timing for you to get a house. Dr. Seuss. God's timing is perfect. And when we try to force or impose what we think ought to be, it's stupidity. Let's call it what it is. For us not to trust the timing of God. And get restless and uncomfortable and stir crazy because it's not happening yet. If you believe what the Bible says, which is all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. I'm telling you, brother, I'm being open with this. is something I had to learn. I had to learn it the hard way. That you got to learn to relax. Don't get all nervous and crazy like Jojo the monkey. But i got to get that figured out. Chill out. If you're a child of God, relax. God wants you to have a house, it'll happen. If God wants you to have that job, it'll happen. That doesn't mean sit at home and do nothing. Go out and put your application in. God wants you to have a wife, it'll come along. doesn't mean you, don't sit, you just sit back and do nothing. Go out there and meet people, amen, in the right places, in the right environment. But don't force the issue when you know it's not God's will. Or you think it might not be God's will. Or you're not sure that it's God's will. Wait! Because at the right time, you'll know the doors will open. Boom. Woo! Hallelujah. Praise God. God is teaching me. God is teaching me 
that if I'm trusting God, God sees ahead and he has my best interests at heart. So you got to quit sweating and let it unfold. God's timing is perfect and you are actually showing faith by standing still. Are you with me? Actually showing faith by standing still. Here, I want to give you an example in closing here. I have some roses here and they're kind of pretty, huh? This is a rose that's unfolded. Isn't it beautiful? Everybody, you see how beautiful that, that rose unfolded? I need a volunteer. Somebody, is there anybody here that's real good with your hands? That's like kind of delicate with your hands. You can work with your hands. Is there anybody that can sew? You know what, Sister Maria, you're, you're good with about anything. I want you to come help me real quick. She can make food. She can sew stuff. She can do about everything. Because I have another rose here, and it has a lot of potential to be pretty, but it's all folded up. It's all kind of knotted together. It's, and I want these roses to look alike, so I want you to open this one up so it looks like that. Can you work on that for a minute with me right now? Uh, put, turn around so everybody can see you working here. She's going to unfold the rose for us and make it look like the other one. I think she can do a good job. She's actually pretty adept. She's pretty good. Can you unfold the rose? See, can you make it look like this? Anybody ever tried this before? I want to tell you today, the point is, she can work all day, and she's not going to be able to make it look as good as that. I'm going to tear off petals, make mistakes, have blunders, and have errors. Because this is something that God does. If you're patient, if you trust his timing, he'll unfold the rose. But when we get our hands in there and start messing around and pulling back petals, we're going to tear things, break it, and it's never going to look the way God intended for it to look. Praise God. So I'm telling you today is be patient. Let God unfold the rose. Don't get stressed out. Don't feel like you've got to get in there and start managing and start fixing it and start arranging it. You've got to trust, trust God. I'm telling you, the longer I live for God, the more relaxed I get at living for God. Amen. God is challenging you to release your anxiety. Release your stress. Release your fear. Release your concerns about the future. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I do know who holds tomorrow. Come on. I don't know what's going to happen next, but I do know that my trust is in the Lord Jesus Christ. In my life, God's teaching, be patient. Let God open the doors for you. You'll know that God's at work. If you break it down, you deal with the consequences, but let God open the door. What you need to do is get on your stationary bike and just keep pedaling. Amen. But I'm not going anywhere. Keep pedaling. But I don't see any progress. Keep pedaling. What do you mean keep pedaling? I'm talking about what the Bible says. Put on the armor of God. Put on the armor of God. Get in the word of God. Look at what it says in that same verse in Ephesians chapter 6. It says, stand therefore, having your learns girt about with truth. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, 
praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Just keep peddling. Just keep praying. Just keep fasting. Just keep reading your Bible. Just keep your hands in the harvest. Just keep reaching lost people. Just keep loving lost people. Do what you know to do and then wait on God. Be still and trust in the Lord. And having done all, stand. Hallelujah. Why don't we stand and praise the Lord right now? Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's just a word for, from the Lord for us as a church. Something that God has impressed on my spirit. When you see opportunity, when God prompts you, act. Don't be fearful. Be courageous. Step out and follow God's clear direction. If you're not sure, if you're not sure, if there's not, if there's not consensus with the word of God, with your brothers and sisters, with the man of God then step back for a minute and say is this a good decision is this a good step is this a step of faith ordered by God or is the most faith filled thing I can do is stand and wait on God hallelujah it's an art another thing that I've learned my brothers and sisters in operating the gifts of the spirit you have to relax try to force it, it won't come. When you step back and the gifts will start to flow through your life. The gifts of the Spirit, word of wisdom, tongues, interpretation. You've got to learn. See, because what you're doing when you're relaxing is you're trusting God instead of yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's the hardest part. I'm telling you, it's the hardest part. Because we're so used to, if it's going to happen, i got to do it. If it's to be, it's up to me. But in living for God, everything is inverted. Amen. And you learn that there are times when I've done all that I can. I prayed. I fasted. I put applications in. I talked to the right people. I did what we call due diligence. I wasn't a slouch. I did all that I can. I've been praying, been fasting, been believing, been asking the Lord. I've done all that I can. Well, you know what you need to do now? Just stand. Stand still. Say, God, I'm trusting you. Some trust in horses. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in swords and spears and shields. Some trust in lawyers. Some trust in doctors. Some trust in financial institutions and banks. But Lord, I'm going to trust in you because I believe woo, that you can do more in 30 seconds than I can do in 30 years if I just trust you. Hallelujah. Because you're showing faith. Sometimes standing still is actually showing more faith than putting things in motion based on frustration and impatience. Sometimes you just need to stand still and say, I know my instinct is to go. But God, I'm not following my instincts. I'm relaxing because I know that you have my best interests at heart. and You're going to open the door at the right moment 
and I'm going to be waiting and watching, and then I'm going to sit back a few years from now and say, look what God did, not look what I did. Look what God. <laughs> I didn't do anything. It just, whoo, it just happened. It just occurred. It was the will of God. It was the word of God. I want you to close your eyes right now as Sister Brown sings this song through one time, and then we're going to respond to the word of the Lord together. people God has spoken to you about your prayer life about your relationship with God we, we've always heard this seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you it's talking about God taking care of your needs and we spend so much tr time trying to push the issue in getting our needs taken care of and we neglect the place of prayer and we neglect the house of God and we neglect fellowship with the brothers and sisters of Christ I'm telling you today that if you put on the armor of God, if you're faithful in the house of the Lord, faithful in your personal prayer, if you're doing the right things, God takes care of this. Can I get a witness in the house today? That I'm not saying you quit your work. You work your 40 hours, you'd be the best employee at the place. You do your very best. But I'm telling you that God is trying to impress upon someone today that if you've done all you can in this area, you just stand and watch God work in this area. <laughs> you don't think God can give you a job? You don't think God can manage that? Think about that. Or listen to me right now. You don't think God can handle that? Have you lost your faith in God? Have you lost your confidence in the Lord? You don't think God knows that you need someone to have a relationship with and a friendship with and you feel friendless what do I do what do I do do what God told you to do get a relationship with God in prayer oh but that's hard hard 15 minutes a day is hard but you go out and work 40 50 hours a week 60 hours a week work your fingers to the bone trying to make it happen yourself but you can't come and show that you're putting confidence in God by spending time in prayer Come on, somebody. This is a word from the Lord. God put it in my heart. You can work all day long if you want to. You can work all day long. But if you don't come spend some time with me, all your effort is up to you. You can do whatever you can with your bare hands. 
But you come trust in me and watch me open the doors and watch me make things happen that you could never make happen in 20 years. I'm reminding you today that God's in charge and all things are working together for good. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Keep pedaling. Keep operating your faith. Keep exercising your faith. uh, But just stay where you are and do what God's called you to do. As we sing this song again, I want us to come forward and pray with one another as a church body. There are those, you know, that are facing anxiety and stress and situations in their life right now. And there's a word from God today, and the word is find peace in God by standing still and knowing that he is the Lord and putting your trust in him. Wherever you are right now, step out of where you are. Come forward. We're going to enjoy God's presence together in the peace in Jesus. you to find someone to pray with right now for a moment. We're going to pray with one another in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. We have uh, some people in the church, several people that are, you know, kind of newly newly married and stepping out. And uh, I know there's a lot of anxiety that comes, fear, questions, wondering, am I going to be able to make it? I want to tell you right now that uh, this is part of learning to trust God because a lot of times when you're single, living at home, you, you're, you don't even realize, but you're trusting mom and dad, but you've got to step out now and trust God. Hallelujah. And, and uh, there's no reason to be fearful because God's there with a safety net no, whatever, no matter what happens. Amen. You're his child and he loves you. And he wants you to trust him. Praise God. He wants us to trust him. Lift up your hands as you pray for one another right now. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah, Lord. Praise God. Lord, before we leave here today, we want to pray a prayer of thanksgiving to you. And we desire for it to resonate and ring through our heart through this coming week. Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for all the blessings that we see evidence of in our lives. We thank you, Lord God, for the richness of friendships and precious family members. Those of us that have children, we thank you, Lord, for the gift of children. Those of us married, thank you for spouses. Thank you for our parents, Lord Jesus. Thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ and our brothers and sisters in the flesh. We thank you, Jesus, for the warmth and the beauty of relationships that bring richness to our lives. We know that if we have friends, we're wealthy above those that have money. Lord, we also thank you, Jesus, for the provisions that you've given to us, whether it be housing, automobiles, shelter, transportation, food, all of these provisions, clothing, we thank you for them, Lord God. We thank you for those things which we can see in our lives. But Lord, we want to thank you right now also for the things that we cannot see, the way that you're working behind the scenes on our behalf, the answers to prayer that seem delayed, but we know it's based on your timing and your perfect will. We thank you in faith right now. Rather than being frustrated, we thank you. Rather than being edgy and anxious, we're thankful today. Thank you, Jesus, that you're unfolding the rose according to your timetable. Whether it be in some material thing that we need or in our ministry or in a relationship, whatever the case may be, God, we're trusting you. And we're thanking you, Jesus, for the work you're doing on our behalf as we stand still and see your deliverance and salvation. We thank you, Jesus, today for the seen and the unseen. We thank you, Lord, for provisions that are about to unfold in our life. We thank you in faith for what's going to transpire for Life Church, for the revival that is waiting to be ushered in. In this new year, Jesus, we trust you, Lord God, and we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for all these things. And let this prayer of thanksgiving and appreciation be on our lips as we leave here today, Lord God. As we go about our business, Jesus, uh, as we enjoy this time with family and friends, let us ever be thankful to you. 
the center of our joy and the purpose of our life. In Jesus' name we pray this. Everybody said amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Why don't you just clap your hands and celebrate the goodness of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen.